Greetings and Happy New Year 2024. You've tuned in to the Social Entrepreneurship in Africa podcast, where we dive into thought-provoking dialogues with influential social entrepreneurs here in Africa. My name is Dr. Joyce Tamale, your host, and the co-founder and CEO of Capital Solutions Limited. In our inaugural episode for the year 2024, we are very thrilled to welcome Ms. Kenya Musa, the Executive Director of VACnet, which is Volunteer Action Network based in Gulu in Northern Uganda. VACnet is dedicated to empowering women and girls in Uganda for economic resilience, fostering support, providing resources, and encouraging community engagement. Our focus today is on how his social enterprise is tackling the issue of period poverty in Northern Uganda. A warm welcome to you, Mr. Kenya. Let's explore this compelling topic together. To our listeners, I would like to ask Mr. Kenya Musa to give us his education background and his career, and we would like to delve into the discussion. Welcome, Musa. Thank you, Dr. Joyce, and thank you, everyone there. I am privileged to be on this podcast. My name is Abokenya Musa. I'm a graduate of journalism and mass communication from Makere University, and also a graduate of NGO management with social works from Cavendish University. I have uh, some education in leadership management from Colorado University, and currently I am the executive director and the founder for Volunteer Action Network, VACNET, a women-led organization based in northern Uganda. Uh, VACnet provides tools, resources, and opportunities to women to enable them to participate effectively in development. So uh, basically that is uh, in brief uh, who Kenya Musa is. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you very much for the introduction, Musa. VACnet is currently running a social enterprise called Hygiene Healthy Period. Tell the listeners more about this social enterprise. How did VACnet think about it and what exactly do you do and how impactful is it to the community? VACnet runs that social enterprise. It's about health periods initiative that produces and distributes low-cost, eco-friendly, and high-quality disposable sanitary parts in northern Uganda. How we came up to have that social enterprise, it came out of a need that is generally um, all the country, you'll find that 60% of women, they have immense needs of their menstrual health and they lack them. But northern Uganda being a region that you faced an insurgence of over 20 years. So women barely have every dimension of their life have challenges, including menstrual health needs. So you find that many or majority of women that live both in a rural and in urban settings, they lack access to period products. And when you go to rural communities, you'll find that nearly uh, in many villages, you will find no access to parts. And that brings a problem for many girls um, dropping out of school at a very uh, tender age and other women missing out a um, number of days to participate in their productive activities simply uh, because they cannot have uh, a better way to manage their periods. That affects on their livelihoods and it shatters the dreams of the young girls. So that big problem led Vakne to uh, think of a solution that can provide uh, a low-cost, eco-friendly and high-quality disposable parts. But uh, before that, 
that I myself as Bukenya Musa, it came to my notion that I was just moving on the street and I come across of a young girl, a young girl who was just carrying a basket. She was 12 years old. She was carrying a basket of, of um, bananas, selling them on streets. And I think this is a, a notion of many girls that we find on streets, both in Kampala and even other regions. But this happened to be in Gulu town. So, and two women sitting on the veranda, one uh, sewing something and another one just uh, having conversations, calls this uh, young girl in a, a local language, Anyaka Bin, but the voice tone um, appeared to me because I wasn't very conversant of that language, but the tonation sounded that it was very commanding. I changed my eyes and then I looked at when the girls approached them, the two ladies uh, surprisingly, they started howling, this young girl, blaming her and shaming her, asking her how dare can she be in the public when she's to the situation like that, how that she was looking like. She was being asked, are you not having your mother? You should do go back to your home. You cannot moving on the streets like that. And the way how they were handling her, she felt ashamed and she started trembling and she dropped her bananas onto the ground. That caused my attention to come near to these ladies and this young girl to find out what was happening. My realization was simple, that she had soiled her dress and she was unaware of what was happening on her life. Surprisingly, having two uh, mothers whom I expected to be uh, um, sympathetic for understanding the situation and be supportive and helping this young girl to better manage that situation, they instead were very harsh on that girl. So that caused a very big question in my brain and I, I just moved my jacket and gave it to the girl. She said a poyo. Poyo means thank you. And she collected her belongings and she rushed away to go back home. I started asking myself what was happening between the girl and what was happening to these two ladies. And to my understanding afterwards, in uh, out of curiosity to many people, I found that talking about menstrual hygiene management at home in the Acholi culture, it's a, a no topic, it's a no go zone. They don't talk about it. So girls only learn from peers and, and from schools. And that caused a very big a question for me of why would she live in this condition and she cannot be able to have part I found that parts now they were very rural communities, they were inaccessible. So, and then I started asking how the parts could fail to be accessible like anybody could be. We found that the parts that were on the market then were in between 3,500 shillings to five, and that was all of what the governor had described the bigger problem. And that started uh, going back to Vaknit and having that discussion with our team that inspired us to say that we should find a solution that can provide, that can produce and distribute the low cost, eco-friendly and high quality sanitary parts so that we can have no women access to and that's how we started the health periods initiative this is extremely touching uh the story is connecting to the young girls what they are going through as far as menstrual hygiene menstrual health is concerned thank you so much musa for coming through this one young actually created more impact in the society through the health this is better. again to shed some light um, on some of the circumstances that you've encountered in terms of eradicating period poverty in northern uganda and how have 
have you become more involved in this space? Um, I think that the challenges are immense. First of all, the, uh, the first challenge is about the myth that we have, the misconceptions that we have at the societal level. And also um, me as Mr. Kenya being a male and the exclusion of the male part into the whole conversation of uh, mental health management is one of the biggest challenges. Majority of men uh, in northern Uganda and in any other part of the country that I've, uh, I have come to interact with, I find that they consider this issue to be a women issue and they have no knowledge about it and they have no knowledge about how it is impacting their daughters and their relatives. And I find that is a very big um, challenge and it requires a mindset change for people to understand that this concern is not only a, a woman's issue or a girl's issue, but it's a societal issue. So, and also coupled to that, you find that many interventions that addresses that focuses on, on girls and excludes boys, meaning that that makes men who will be possible uncles and fathers in future to these young girls uh, who will not be having knowledge about menstruation. So that's one of the challenges, mindset change about the whole issue of uh, menstrual health management and periods. It's uh, an issue that we found it challenging. And I, being a man talking about that issue, I, in the first glance, it's an opportunity for me to learn more about this. But when you talk about your fellow men, though it is um, an opportunity in this guys that they can appreciate it more, but they first laugh by asking you, how is it your problem? And how do you know? How do you judge? How do you taste that this product can work? I often find those challenges in mm. coming up with initiatives. Oh, amazing. So I can hear how men can literally be wondering, not only men, even women, how is a man involved in um, period poverty issues and how is it your problem? <laughs> what a question. Anyway, thank you so much again for the great work for offering yourself to do the unthinkable and providing an initiative that is uh, sustainable. Again, Musa, I would like you to tell the listeners what are some of the key achievements you're proud of while empowering women over the years? Um, um, doctor, thank you so much for that question. Uh, first of all, the empowerment concepts give life to the idea that a woman can be um, an agent of change in her own life, determining her own future, but uh, but defining empowerment nearly is impossible. The way we see others and ourselves and is subjected to our own experiences, perspectives, cultures and values, uh, and also uh, the society norms, you know, how empowerment is going to be defined. So as a journalist in the background who went on the ground and defining that, I found that a lot of time to get a clear cut to know who an empowered woman looks like, that was the first question. Who is an empowered woman looks like? A lot of times, um, many would define an empowered woman uh, in terms of uh, an economic uh, empowerment or uh, in terms of her mobility, uh, in terms of many other spheres, but they forget that there are so many other um, social aspects that you would define um, an empowered woman. So in the process of working to empowering women, we found 
that um, working to have women to be their own agents um, is really, really, really important. So uh, in, in our social enterprises, you find that um, the Health Builds Initiative is using the women or the young girls who were the victims of the lack of um, access to uh, menstrual products and they almost lost their dreams and hopes in life because they became um, pregnant at the very early age or they were forced into early marriages because uh, for them accessing their, uh, uh, becoming, uh, starting their periods was uh, a point that they are ready to be married off. So uh, having those girls and having them to be the very change agents that are making the parts, producing them, and also being the mentors or being the peer leaders who can speak to their fellow young girls and women in the communities. For us, it's a success that is sustainable. And we are proud to say that all the girls that are producing the parts um, and also who are the peers that we're using to, um, to talk and mentor other girls who are facing the same challenges are the girls who are living in the community and also face th that challenge. So we are seeing the community uh, that is that is using the change agents that same communities. Able to actually train a big number of uh, 78 peer educators uh, who are young girls who faced before. And our social enterprise has been able to employ 15 young girls who are producing parts on a daily basis. And they are producing uh, 5,000 packs in a in every month, and uh, and we distribute parts to over 1,500 girls per month. Uh, so that is remarkable, and we believe that that empowerment is sustainable as well. Great, great, great achievements! Thank you so much, uh, Musa, for sharing those achievements. So in terms of scalability, how do you envision expanding the reach of your organization's initiatives, that is the health period initiative, uh, to reach more women in northern Uganda and Uganda at large? I uh, think you do. We call our initiative as a production unit, but we envision to have a bigger factory that is going to be um, producing parts for, for the northern region. But we want to have a big factory that, that can quadruple our production to benefit only northern region, but Uganda. And also we are looking forward to tap into the nearby market along South Sudan market, you know, in the, East, the whole East African market. So we are not only looking at scaling our production to benefit northern region, but we are looking to be the leading producer and distributor of low cost and eco-friendly and high quality disposable pads in the entire country Uganda because we know that this problem is not only facing the northern region. I entirely agree on that. Well, in terms of technology, do you use any innovative technological approaches uh, while advancing this impact of eradicating period poverty in northern Uganda? I think one of the biggest challenges that are causing uh, the period products not to be affordable is because of um, uh, the, the production costs, and that involves technology. And uh, because of um, many products are not produced locally, um, we are proud that um, the technologies are not difficult. We have invented technologies 
we are proud that um, 70 percent of the technologies that we are using in producing the uh, the parts are locally made we locally manufacture the machines that we use to produce so we have got um uh, our local best technology that are producing the sanitary parts and and i think that is that is much more sustainable in, in that um, when it comes to maintenance and uh, rehabilitation and refurbishing and also expansion or scalability, we we are grateful that we are able to invent our own or making our own production machineries that are producing the parts in northern Uganda. Right, thank you very much, Musa, on that. Uh, well, as we go further in our discussion, how has been being part of the uh, building sustainable social enterprises for NGOs in Uganda, a project currently being implemented by Capital Solutions with support from GIZ and European Union. How has it benefited uh, VACnet? And uh, can you share some specific outcomes or learnings from this collaboration for others to pick from? Oh, thank you, Doctor, for that. Um... Uh, one of the biggest challenge as uh, an NGO that we normally faced um, earlier on was uh, this dependency syndrome on brands and uh, looking for a third party to come and do for you you what you intend to do. And also, um, we never looked into uh, the positive sustainability that we can have in solving a social problem, but also um, having a portion of selling uh, that can bring in some resources for scalability and sustainability. We are really, really grateful that we are part of this project and the Capital Solutions have done a great deal in building our capacity in terms of developing our business plan that can clearly tell out what we need to achieve in the five years to come and also having uh, a marketing strategy in place. Uh, all that um, will uh, benefit Vacnet to see that we have a sustainable social enterprise, but also um, connecting us with like-minded social entrepreneurs that we learn from and, and share ideas on how we can overcome the challenges we face, but also capital solutions uh, being there for mentorship, mentoring us through this process, processes. I, I want to appreciate one thing that NGOs um, have a challenge of getting over the founder syndrome, you know, and, and that has been an area where the capital solutions have impacted so much, showing us how we can transition our nonprofit and now we have a hybrid non-profit that can can have a social enterprise that can um, produce sell and plow back um, the proceeds into the activities of the organization um, that really fits too much into our scalability and sustainability into our organization so we are proud to be part of this and uh, we are grateful that the GIZ and the European Union, you know, has um, provided resources to this and it is providing value to this, to our own organization. Also, um, to be able to, to pitch our social enterprise and our organization, these are skills, tangible skills that we have been able to learn from Capture Solutions. All those 
um, part of things that benefits a non-profit or a social enterprise if it is to succeed and scale its products. Wow, thank you so much for sharing your learnings and your collaborations with uh, BSS EN project. And this will go a long way for other NGOs to pick a leaf as you grow your social enterprise. Well, I know the kind of work you're doing is great, is big, is bigger than what the organization can offer. So how can the government actively contribute to the fight against poverty, period poverty in Northern Uganda? And what policies or programs would you recommend uh, for the yeah. government's involvement? First of all, prioritizing uh, reproductive health rights and um, uh, in specific, also providing budget allocation to uh, to address period poverty is key. I understand the government has provided the frameworks um, in terms of uh, policies, and uh, but those frameworks, if they are not, not coupled with um, with the budgetary allocation, that cannot change a lot. But also, um, the government need to provide a, a framework that can give a conducive environment for social enterprises that are coming up. Uh, take an example, giving them um, tax waivers uh, in terms of uh, machineries and raw materials that can be used. I think that can be something that can the government can do. And also giving them uh, favorable uh, terms uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, how the tax regimes. We are not against the government getting taxes from, from our social enterprises, but we think that they should have favorable tax regimes that can favor uh, the growth of uh, social uh, enterprises like ours. But also uh, we need more open platforms for dialogue so that they can better understand uh, period poverty and how the uh, key stakeholders like our organization and many others and see how uh, we can uh, provide our learnings and also get um, policy guidelines and support. So I think the government can play those key roles. Um, we understand, like, for example, in northern Uganda, uh, there is um, a new uh, business hub that has been built there. And I think that's an opportunity for social enterprises to go and use it and use it to market the products. Uh, what we would think the government would do is to prioritize social enterprises to have space into um, those projects or into those um, new um, ventures where where the uh, where the government uh, normally tend to just provide um, places for bigger uh, entrepreneurs living um, local uh, social enterprises that are starting up so we believe that if the government provides those spaces it can really benefit uh, very much the local enterprises in terms of um, fostering their growth and we can see a sprouting um, employment that will be created by those social enterprises and uh, I believe the government also will benefit from uh, getting revenues from those employments created. Thanks, I hear you very loud and clear regarding the tax issues 
and also creating a favorable work environment for uh, social enterprises. So this is a voice that is coming from a social entrepreneur, but also it's a space that needs to be given a policy. And that is uh, interesting. That's something that we are working on. Hopefully it will be able to come to fruition. Now with that in mind, what is the most important lesson you've learned, Musa, over your social entrepreneurship journey? Doctor trusting the process is very important and also staying focused is key. I think uh, many uh, social entrepreneurs, um, they see society problems every day and our societies have very many problems. And it is very appetizing for social entrepreneurs to think that they can create many, many solutions to different social uh, problems. I think keeping a focus on one problem and and work on it consistently uh, is key and key to to the success of a social enterprise and also being open-minded to constantly learn and be open to evolve from one level to another is key to having a successful social enterprise or social entrepreneurs. So I, I have learned over time that uh, that I have, have always to, despite that I might have many ideas, but I have to convince my ideas and I keep keep the focus and um, and put my resources to, to that focus and also keep learning every day and network. Networking is very, very important. Uh, but most importantly also to uh, social entrepreneurs need to always find ways to get mentors. Mentors that have gone through the journey because if you don't get mentors you reach you reach at the time and you'll burn out and you need somebody to always constantly uh, draw you back onto um, the, a clear path and also encourage you and motivate you so I, I think those are the key things that as a social entrepreneur have come to learn and also one hard one is to believe in our local solutions I think I think there are many social enter entrepreneurs that that come up with very very innovative um, solutions, but because of listening and seeing for uh, different things, instead of improving their products, they end up changing to new upcoming things that they have seen anywhere. Instead of just improving their products. I think staying original is also key as a social enterprise and trusting the process and um, also knowing that um, having a successful uh, social enterprise is not a one night or a two day, two months. It's a process that takes time, allow the social enterprise that time to grow before you uh, start thinking of seeing its um, social benefit or profit from that social enterprise that you've created. Thanks a lot, Musa. This is very well put. It's actually very good advice for anybody out there who is running a social enterprise or who is intending to start a social enterprise. 
issues of essentialism, focusing on one thing and do it so well, being original, uh, social entrepreneurship is a process. All those are things from a practicing social entrepreneur. They are lessons that he has shared at, that are practical and I entirely agree with you. Now, as we go forward in uh, our discussion, uh, Musa, how do you define success? Um, I think success to me, uh, uh, in regards to the social, I'm going to limit it to the social enterprise or to a social entrepreneur. A social entrepreneur, you always have a, a dream or have um, a solution that you come up with, but that solution will never be successful if, if you've not been able to create a team, to create a team of people or to sell that idea to a team of people that can move it forward. Because we have seen so many social entrepreneurs that come up with solutions. But if, if you have not been able to sell that knowledge to a team of people that can scale up together with you and have this social enterprise stand um, on, just with you at the oversight level, you you have not yet succeeded. So um, I define success in social enterprise as having a social enterprise that have been able to to be winded through from the, the social entrepreneur, the founder himself, to a team, to a, a sustainable system that manages each and everything over a period of time. So um, I am not successful, not until I have successors that can take uh, this social enterprise forward. That's how I define um, success uh, in late terms. All right. Thank you so much. Well put in terms of success as a social entrepreneur. And so, Musa, um, if people are looking to um, support, locate your efforts in addressing period poverty, where can they connect with you? Could you please share your social media handles, contact and information? Um, our social media handles, um, you can connect to Volunteer Action Network. We have a website that is www vacnetwork.org and we have our Facebook handle at Volunteer Action Network. We have our uh, Instagram handle, we have our WhatsApp handle, we have our um, LinkedIn handle, all at Volunteer Action Network. But at the same time for our social enterprise, you can look uh, for Health Period Limited on all handles, um, on Facebook and Instagram, and, and and Twitter, you can look for um, a Health Periods Initiative, you'll be able to access us. Um, for those who are looking forward to send us emails, you can send us email at info at vacnetwork.org and you can reach us at 0752-328735. And in our offices, um, based in Northern Uganda, in Peche at Plot 22. At Plot 22, that's where our offices are located in Northern Uganda and our production unit is based there. Thank you, Doctor. Over to you. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Kenya Musa. For those who might want to know more about Volunteer Action Network, he has already given you the contacts and their website is again www.vacnetwork.org. 
please reach there and reach out to them to see the great work they are making in the, within the women's space and also empowering women. To that, we are concluding this enlightening um, episode of the Social Entrepreneurship in Africa podcast. We trust you found our conversation with Mr. Kenya engaging. Remember the transformative power of social entrepreneurship is the key to reshaping businesses and communities in Africa, paving the way for more inclusive and sustainable future. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all to stay abreast of our app. Until the next episode, remain inspired and continue making a positive impact. Thank you so much for listening.